Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Connor Gillivan is the CMO of FreeUp.com. As an e-commerce expert and outsourcing guru, Connor is passionate about building profitable businesses that address specific customer needs within the e-commerce world. He started out in his college dorm room and went on to sell over $30 million online. Having worked with over 1,000 suppliers and managed over 500,000 products, he's now a published author and the owner of ConnorGillivan.com and currently lives in Denver, Colorado. So Connor, welcome to the Second in Command podcast. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. So um, why don't you walk me through um, what you guys do and how it all works just so everybody actually understands and then we'll kind of get the, the story of how you've scaled it. Yeah, of course. So so FreeUp is a competitor to other freelance marketplaces out there like Upwork and Fiverr and Freelancer, but we do things a little bit differently. We, we spent years hiring from platforms like those and we wanted to create a simpler way for both business owners and freelancers. So the core things that, that make FreeUp different in connecting freelancing, freelancers and business owners is the first, we actually pre-vet every single freelancer that wants to join the FreeUp network and we only allow the top 1% in. And then those freelancers are able to make their services available to businesses through the platform. And then the, the other key difference is once you actually post a job through FreeUp, you, you only get introduced to one qualified applicant as a, at a time. Whereas on some of the other platforms, you may receive 20 plus people. You're then spending time interviewing, vetting them yourself. We try to cut that time down and make it an opportunity for a quick hire. And then on the back end, we're just very customer service focused. So if you ever run into any billing issues, if you have a freelancer that has to quit, we'll replace them immediately and cover replacement costs. And we're just always there to provide you with that hands-on experience when you're hiring and also when you're building your freelance business. It's awesome. And are freelancers, are they global? Are they US-based? Are they, um, where are they, everywhere? Yeah, they are. So it is a, a global platform. Uh, we, right now, we have about 2,000 freelancers on the network. About 40% are from the U.S., 40% are actually over in the Philippines, and then the remaining 20% are scattered across about 30 other countries. And then any, any industries or um, kind of verticals that you focus on, are they like heavy in the tech sector or heavy in the admin, or where, where do they kind of focus? Yeah, definitely. So when we started the business, the, the first year was really focused on catering to people that were selling products on Amazon. Uh, and that was because that's really where our background was. We, my business partner and I, we, we ran a company before this one selling products on Amazon for about six years. Um, so we really catered to them at first, but over the past four years, since we have, ha, since we had the business, we've expanded to a lot of e-commerce disciplines and then a lot of marketing and advertising as well. Interesting. And do you still have a fairly good depth of um, you know, strength of your, I guess, the freelancers in the Amazon experience side as well? Yeah, for sure. That, that continues to be one of our, our top disciplines that we, we place freelancers with businesses for. 
Awesome. I've got a couple couple clients that I coach that are pretty big in the Amazon space. One has a, a company called Viva Naturals and he does nice. um, all the organic foods and coconut oils and stuff on. And then another one um, called Caliber. So I'll introduce both of them to your product because they are awesome looking for some Amazon expertise. And do, do you guys fill in the gaps between hires if somebody's let go or someone's quitting? Is that a, a good use of your model or is it more kind of supplementing? Mm-hmm. Um, both, right? So, so we definitely have people that that come in and they'll use us to, like you said, kind of have an intermediary between hires if they're doing full time in house. Uh, they could come to us, find someone who could kind of fill that role while they're doing other recruiting and interviewing. Um, and then a lot of our clients will use it for supplementing. So they may have an office and have employees in house, but then they want to give each of those employees an assistant or they don't want to hire in-house full-time for someone that's creating content. So they'll come to us and, and get someone to manage that. Um, so there's a lot of different ways that they utilize it, but it, it does cover those two ways you mentioned as well. Nice. And when did you guys start? How long ago? It was uh, 2015. So about mid-2015, we, we started FreeUp. Okay, so you're about four years old. Was the, and was the growth, has it been easy? Has it been challenging? Uh, I mean, growing any business is always challenging, um, but it, I think... The timing and the space that we're in has helped a lot. The, the whole freelance industry is just really booming and it has been since we started. So we've definitely had that on our side and we've seen really great growth because of, I think, the, the focus that we've had in terms of the customers we're going after and, and the types of services that we're offering through the freelancers. Um, so that's been really great in, in terms of the timing. Um, yeah, so. And how do you guys make your money? Sure. So we were similar to a lot of the other platforms. Freelancers set their own rates at hourly or fixed rates. We then add a, a 15% fee from our end. And then the, the end fee is, is what the client actually pays um, to us. And then we pay the freelancer as well. And, that, and your 15% covers your ability to screen them all and to, um, to vet them. Yep, correct. Wow. Are they vetting you by doing work on your business for you? Is that part of your interviewing process? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not, but when, when we started the business, we only started with people that we had worked with to start with. Um, but now it's, it's a, it's a four stage application interview testing and onboarding process that, uh, every freelancer has to go through. That's cool. What, um, what kind of recruiting or interviewing process or platform do you use for that? Or do you use something in-house? It's just in-house. Yeah, just uh, we, we custom built it into our software that also manages the, the clients and the freelancers relationships as well. Okay. And so you're the CMO, you were the co-founder of the company? Correct. And yep. how, who's, who's the CEO or who is your co-founder? Sure. So the CEO is uh, Nathan Hirsch. Okay. And how did you and Nathan connect? Yeah, so we, we've known each other for about 10 years now, and we've been building businesses together for that entire time as well. Um, we actually met in college in, in Connecticut, and um, we were just in some similar business classes together. He was starting to buy and sell books on Amazon. I was always looking for something to do that was entrepreneurial, and he kind of was looking for someone to team up with on it, and that's kind of how it all started. We, we started with that first business, and ran it, got to know each other, became good friends and realized that we complemented each other pretty well when it came to running a business. So you guys were running businesses while you were in college then? Yeah. Yeah. We started that first one. I was, uh, we, we were both sophomores. Yeah. So we ran the business for two years while we were in college. Nice. Do you think you learned more running the business than you did in class? 
hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what, what did you take in school? Um, I was an econ and math major. Okay. So a lot of business and a lot of numbers and data. It's funny. I was talking to my girlfriend about it last night that I definitely learned more in college running my painting business than I ever did in classes, but I wish I'd paid more attention in my classes now because I think I could have <laughs> maybe pulled some of that information back in a little bit. All right. So yeah. you and he, he got involved in this. Who, um, how, how did the idea start? How, how did you guys, what was that discussion like? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, so like I said, we, we were running this Amazon business where we were working with suppliers and brands around the United States, and we were pretty much their, their partner to help them sell their products on Amazon. This was 2009 to 2015 when a lot of brands and manufacturers didn't know much about the online space. They were just starting to learn about Amazon, and they didn't have anyone in-house that could actually help them sell. So we partnered up with them. Um, we built the business into a good size. We had an office, had some full-time employees, but then we kind of learned about this whole world of outsourcing and the ability to hire people at lower wages, uh, in different areas of the world that could potentially supplement what we were doing with the business, lower our overall costs and, you know, keep growing at a good rate. Um, and so we started using Upwork, Fiverr, Freelancer to post jobs and interview and, and find candidates. And we found some really amazing people. So that, that really turned us on to this, this whole idea of outsourcing. But like I said before, we, we ran into a lot of frustrations. We were spending a lot of time doing the interviews. We were running into a lot of turnover. Um, and we didn't really have any customer support from those platforms since they were already big enough to be solely focused on the software experience and not necessarily on a more of a hands-on experience. Um, and so in 2015, after... After running the Amazon business for about five, six years and kind of coming to a conclusion that there was always going to be a little bit of a ceiling with selling on Amazon because of how large Amazon is and just how much control they have over their sellers, we, we started to think, okay, what, what other business ideas could we have? Um, and that's when we, we came up with the idea for free up and we tossed it around for you know six months or so and tried to understand what it could look like. And then we kind of brought it to market and, and tested the idea out and saw what, what customers thought about it. Nice. How did you fund it? Um, so funded by ourselves, started with about $5,000 and just bootstrapped it all the way to where it is today. And yeah, so you're still self-funded then? Yep, correct. How many employees do you guys have now? So our, our entire team is about 35 people. Um, all of them are contractors. We run the business 100% remote. Um, so I'm in Denver, Nate's in Orlando. We have a team of of specialists around the U.S. and then a good amount of people in the Philippines as well. Nice. So how did you and Nate divide up the roles then? How did you decide who was running which parts of the org chart? Yeah, great question. So when we started, we we knew we, knew we wanted Nate to be the CEO. Um, he he's really great at at that role and and kind of commanding things and making sure the strategy and goals are are being met within the team and within the growth. Um, I'm definitely more on the side of your content, marketing, data, analytics, and software development. Um, so we initially divided it like that. Um, and then over the years, it's, we've kind of slowly built out our own roles. We're, we have Nate as the face of the company. He's the one doing a lot of the public appearances, podcast interviews, Facebook Lives, whatever it may be, those things that are helping us get out there and, and get the company known. And then he's also working with 
the actual experience. So he's talking to clients, he's doing sales calls, and he's working with the freelancers on the actual experience. And then on my side, I'm, I'm handling all of the content marketing. I'm working with our development team to, to make our software better on an ongoing basis. And then I'm also handling all of our partnerships to keep them organized and ongoing. Interesting. And then how do you guys stay in sync? I mean, clearly you're in different time zones, different parts of the US. How do you stay in sync with, with each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we do a few things. So we use, we, we're on Skype, each of us, about 12 hours a day. So we're, we're always communicating and, and staying in touch with each other. Um, we have weekly calls where we go over strategy and, and talk about our goals for the week, the month, the quarter, so that we're on the same page. Um, and then every quarter we meet up once in person to plan out the next quarter and review the past quarter. Um, and then that, that first meeting of each year is kind of where we plan out the year as well. So we have some touch points where we're physically together and then we just, we're, we communicate on a regular basis um, through, you know, online as well. Awesome. How about, um, talk to us about running um, the remote team in the Philippines. How has that been working and, and what lessons have you learned in kind of running teams over there? You're, you're literally on the other side of the world. It's, what is it, 12-hour time difference? Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it, it's, we've been working with people in the Philippines for about seven years now. Um, it, was, it was definitely a, a learning curve at first, understanding their culture, understanding how they work with people. Um, you know, we kind of learned they're, they're pretty shy. A lot of them aren't going to, you know, speak out. They're very polite. Um, they have a very customer service driven culture, I would say. Um, so that helps. And business process outsourcing is one of their biggest industries over there. So a lot of the people that end up in freelancing have worked with American, Canadian, European companies in the past, mm-hmm. which I think helps a lot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and we've, we've just kind of become very strict on who we work with too. We, we, we kind of have criteria internally of, of who we look for. We, we do look for people that are more entrepreneurial, um, that are a little bit outside of that normal Philippine, Filipino culture, um, and that really are ambitious and want to help us grow the company. So now Are they working from an office over there then as well? Or are they working remote? They're not. They're all just working from home as well. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so you've gone up market in that market then as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the Filipino culture is amazing and the people are completely loyal. They're, they're mm-hmm. almost honored uh, to work with American companies or Canadian companies as well. Like they really find that a really, it's a big pride of theirs to be able to have landed that job and, and the loyalty is amazing. Remember I had okay. an EA for about six months from the Philippines and one morning I woke up and she'd um, sent me a video of her playing guitar and she'd written a song for me that she'd sang. <laughs> And it was like a birthday message. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Like this young girl just like wrote this song and decided, and I was like, that's partially creepy as well, I guess. But um, it, was really, it was really neat. But she was just really, really honored to kind of work with me, which was cool. Um, what about technology and, and working with your, your group then that are scattered throughout the US? Because you guys are, are 100% remote company, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so... So we have a, um, a CTO who's been with us since the beginning. He's actually up in Seattle now. Um, and then we have two full-time developers in India and one uh, guy in the Philippines. Um, and so all that communication, again, is just done through, through Skype and online channels. Um, the way that I, I do it is I, I kind of project manage that team. So I, I work very, very closely with our CTO to 
understand what our high priority projects are. So him and I can work very closely on them. Um, and then our, our team, we, we kind of divvy out work to them on a usually a two week sprint basis. So we'll say, hey, this is this is what we're focused on for the next two weeks. Let's go ahead and make progress there. Keep us updated on a daily basis. And then we go ahead and push to, you know, make things live at, at the end of each two weeks. Um, and as, as bugs and things come along, they're communicated to us from the assistants and the internal team, and we kind of handle them as they come in. But um, yeah, we, we kind of have systems and processes in place that allow us to communicate and, and keep everything very organized. How about with your, um, with your operations, marketing and salespeople then? Are they working on those same kind of two-week sprints as well? Um, less on two-week sprints, um, more on kind of weekly meetups and figuring out goals for each other. Um, so I, I personally, with like my, my content team, uh, my advertising team, and a few others that I'm responsible for, I'll have weekly or every, every other week meetings where we go over core goals and we kind of set the, the trajectory for what's happening next. Um, and, and then we check in with each other every day online as well. So there's constant communication going on at all times. Nice. I'd love to learn from you on, on the recruiting and um, interviewing side, especially, you know, as you've, you've kind of taken those recruiting and interviewing systems and put them in place to screen 2000 freelancers. So what's working for you on the interviewing and recruiting side with them? And, and maybe what, what have you thrown out that you tried that didn't work or, or used to work, but no longer works? Yeah, sure. Um, so just to the second one quickly. So for the things we've thrown out, we, we used to do either phone or um, video interviews. And we actually have stopped doing those. We, we, we do chat interviews for every freelancer that applies and, and makes it to the interview stage. Um, and the reason for that is that's one of the, the most common ways that freelancers are communicating with clients once they're actually in the platform and working with them. Um, so for us, we want to make sure that they, you know, that they have good written English, they communicate quickly, um, and, and they show up on time for those types of meetings. So that's kind of something we moved away from and, and something we found to be effective in the interview process. Um, when it comes to just overall vetting, the, the three key things, the areas we really look for are um, their skills. So we, we really look for people that have at least one to two years of experience in freelance working in the skill set that they say they have. Um, we look for their attitude. So we, we really like freelancers that view their, their freelancing as a legit business and they, they do it full time. They're trying to grow it. They're maybe working towards eventually owning their own freelance agency as well. Um, we, that kind of to us that shows they're more serious about it and they're not going to be flaky with clients and they actually want to take it seriously. And then the third is communication. I think that's the biggest thing with working with anyone remotely. Are they showing up on time? Do they have good standards for daily check-ins? Are they sending updates as it makes sense through email and things along those lines? So those are, those are kind of our three things we, we really focus on. And then we ask a lot of questions around those topics as well. I love it. Yeah, I love that you're doing the, um, the, the chat interviews as well. I, I used to hire a bunch of people in PR. And for me, public relations was an outbound sales role where they actually phoned the journalists. They never emailed anyone, so they picked up the phone. <clears throat> so I decided to only interview people over the phone. I didn't want to see their face because I didn't care what they looked like. 
I just wanted to hear what they sounded like and how they could kind of work. And then I had them send me some basic follow-up stuff from our call on email to see if they could be succinct and get the point across and if they could spell. I didn't want them to be a journalist, but I wanted to know that they could actually, you know, grammar was reasonable and they could maybe drop an emoticon in there. Um, Yeah, that's interesting. So are you... In, in in growing this business, has it had to pivot at all or have you been on strategy for the four years since you started? Has it stayed consistent with what you thought? So there there was some pivoting in the first year, for sure. Um, when we actually started the company, it wasn't 100% the freelance marketplace. We, we were actually offering e-commerce consulting as well as a, a course on how to sell on Amazon. So... We, we kind of threw the, the three things out there for the first year to, to see what bites we could get and see what people were most interested in. Um, and then once we, we saw that a majority of the people, no matter which channel they came through, they were most interested in hiring the pre-vetted freelancers. In, in year two, we said, all right, let's drop the others. Let's switch totally over to this and, and make our focus this. Wow. Um, and then since then, it's it, it has been pretty consistent. It's, it's always a balance, right? Because with a marketplace, you have your demand from clients and then your supply of freelancers. And if you get too outbalanced on either side, someone gets angry with you. Um, so you're always trying to, to keep that in balance and make sure that when there's more demand, you have more freelancers coming in, et cetera. Um, but yeah, it's been consistent and we've really just tried to stay in our lane. We, we focus on the Amazon, the e-commerce, the marketing people, um, and, and we try to keep that niche very focused. It's interesting you talk about the supply and demand and the balance in that. I, I, um, I'm, I'm laughing because the Uber, Uber finally went public. But uh, nine years ago, I told, the, or no, God, 10 years ago now, because I think it was the summer of 2008 or nine, I told Garrett Camp, who was the founder of Uber, that it was a really stupid idea because I could never understand how they would ever get that balance in place. Right. I was trying to explain the whole ride hailing thing. And we thought it was stupid that people would ever want to get into a stranger's car. And so I just dismissed it as a really dumb idea. And now I'm like, wow, that was a really, really dumb idea not to invest in that one. Um, all right. So you and Nate working remotely again, staying in sync. So you guys have your meetings, you have your quarterlies, your weeklies, your monthlies. Um, any conflicts over the years and, and how have you worked through those? I mean, conflicts are normal. So totally. Maybe p- yeah. pick one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, of course. So a big conflict we went through earlier on when, when we were starting to work together and figuring out each other's work styles was... I was much more of a a long-term thinker. He's much more of a short-term thinker. Mm. Um, So at first, we very much clashed. I I was always kind of, hey, let's plan out the next six months. He was, let's get something done tomorrow. Um, So there were a lot of arguments around that at first. Um, But I think over time, we respect each other a lot. So I think we we understand each other's opinions and and see where each other come from. Um, And over time, we've I think it's it's benefited both of us, right? Because he now thinks more in a quarterly term, um, and and I like that because it, it gives us those goals to be working towards on a, a daily basis. But it it gives it spreads it out a little bit, um, and then I'm much more grounded to what's going on in that quarter, and then on a weekly basis as well, um, and less concerned with five years down the line. So 
there were a lot of arguments there at first, but I, I think it's, it's happened for the best for both of us. <laughs> That's cool. How about yeah. in terms of growth? Where, where have you had to grow the most over the last four years then in terms of being a, a COO, second in command and, and mm-hmm. building the startup to where you guys are now? Are now? Yeah. So, so my biggest area of growth has been just digital marketing in general. I, I did not have any experience coming into starting this business with digital marketing. Um, we, with our first business, it was know everything about Amazon and know how to help people sell their products there. Um, but we never had to do selling of products outside of Amazon and Amazon takes care of all your marketing. So when we started the business, I had to, you know, learn about SEO, learn about content marketing, understand how you set up partnerships with companies and what different referral programs look like. Um, and then what advertising looks like as well. So that's been a huge learning curve for me, but I personally love learning new things. So I kind of take it as a challenge and throw things at the wall, stick with ones that work and kind of toss away the ones that don't. And how, how did you learn? Where did you go? What did you devour? What kind of, was it, was it mm. courses, masterminds, videos? What did you do? Uh, yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of books, uh, blog, books and blogs, really. Um, I kind of found some influencers in the marketing space that were creating updated and modern content about all the topics, you know, just devoured all of their information, listened to their videos, listened to their podcasts, um, and then found direct books that were related to growth marketing, digital marketing, um, and kind of examples from what other companies had done in the past as well. And took all that information and then ran a lot of tests internally. Any, any specific resources that you'd recommend? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I really like Neil Patel, love his content. Um, it's, it's very in depth when it comes to digital marketing and SEO. Uh, he also has a podcast called marketing school. That's a, a great one. If you're looking to learn about that stuff. Um, yeah, those would be my, my two biggest that, that I think influenced me the most. Nice. What have you, um, what have you stopped doing in terms of marketing? What was working that's no longer working or what have you changed there? Um, yeah, good question. So at first we, we did, a, we were doing a lot of advertising to start, um, but we didn't see a lot of great results from it. So we, we cut back on that a lot. We still do it to a certain extent for branding and awareness. Um, but we, we decided to pull away budget from there. Um, trying to think of other specific use cases, um, that were, that we tried. Hmm. Where are you getting, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. Where are you getting most of your customers from now? Yeah. So our, most of our customers come from referrals and word of mouth. Uh, we have a, a, a great referral program where, um, last year we paid out over, $250,000 worth in referral earnings just for people sending uh, clients to us. Um, We get about 25% of our customers just through Google search um, and other search engines. Um, And then we have a lot of, a lot of partnerships with influencers and other companies in the space that we do a lot of content marketing with. And then through those efforts, they, they come through to us as well. And that's, those are all areas that you run then in the business. Yep. That's correct. Yeah. Those are huge. Um, All right. So what's coming now in the business? What, what kind of challenges are you guys working through? Yeah, sure. So a big challenge of ours has always been our software experience. Um, since Nate nor I are experts in that area, we're always relying on our, our CTO to, to pick up the slack there. Um, but he's, he's more of a developer, less of a designer. Um, so we actually just launched a, a new 
design for all freelancers and clients about a month ago um, that we're really happy about. It, it makes it a little bit more modern, makes it easier to use on mobile. Um, and we're also introducing the, the ability to add fixed price rates through the software. That was something that we were doing manually before. Um, and then another idea that we're working through is the idea of pre-vetting agencies and allowing them to offer their services through the platform to businesses. Interesting. Um, so that's very new. That's, that's within the past two months. Um, and, and we're just trying to gather feedback around it and, and see if it's a viable option um, and, and agencies and businesses would actually be interested in it. It's a really interesting model because there's so many agencies out there and it's just been really tough to actually kind of evaluate them all against each other. We almost need to just start seeing the leveling of that because I think a lot of people have wasted a lot of time and money with agencies that, um, you know, they, they wouldn't have gone with had they known more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of the idea. So we're testing it out and, and seeing how it goes. We're, we're trying to keep it very specific. So looking for kind of boutique agencies, people with five to 15 people max, um, you know, their, their founders are still involved in the daily processes and working with clients. They take their customer service seriously uh, and they have a proven track record with other clients. Do you guys get, get together at all, um, you know, to start planning out any of your, you know, your annuals or your quarterlies? Do you and do you and Nate get together or do you and the management team get together or do you still do all of that remote? We do. So Nate and I get together in person about once per quarter. Okay. Yeah. And we'll, and then we'll plan out the, the next quarter. Um, and, and then we kind of disseminate that to all the team, but we don't have uh, meetings where we get the whole team together in and, person. And how do you deal with, with kind of building a culture where you're remote? I mean, I've, I coached a company called Acceleration Partners. They've got about 150 employees in the affiliate marketing space. And they're, I think they're the number 12 company to work for on Glassdoor and they don't have anyone in a, in a single office. So they've kind of cracked the code. I'm wondering what you guys are doing to, to crack that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's a, it starts, I think it just starts with me and Nate and kind of the way we run the business and the values that we live by. Um, we really value hard work. We value people who are entrepreneurial and, and kind of share their voice and give us real feedback. Um, and then we value people that want to stay with us for the long run and take this as a piece of their own and want to really run with it. Um, so we, we regularly, you know, make examples of those as we're working with people. Um, and then in our interview process, a lot of our questions for people internally are around those values. And we try to find people that are kind of of the same mold as us, but then come with different skill sets that they can offer to the business. Nice. Um, and then the, the last thing is just communication is everything for us um, in our culture. So if we, you know, if we find, if we hire someone and the communication is just not there, we're, we're quick to let them go um, just because it's such a huge part of running the company. Uh, and we really just can't, we can't have people that aren't good communicators. I know you mentioned that you and Nate use um, Skype a lot. Are you using Skype with all of your uh, clients and your freelancers as much as possible after you've hired them? Or are you still doing a lot of that written? We are. Yeah, we, we use Skype um, and, and we use chat for mostly everything. Um, we'll have calls sometimes, but mainly it's just group chats or individual chats. What are you working on training your team? I've always believed that a leader's job is to grow people. How are you growing your team, your management team or your frontline staff? How are you working on growing their skill set? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we, me and Nate uh, meet weekly with uh, the, the leaders of the, the team, of the different teams of the company. 
Um, there's about five of them. Um, and they kind of oversee the main areas of the, the business and operations. Um, and so we meet with them on a weekly basis. We, we keep them on track with the, the core goals that they're working towards. And then we also have one-on-one -on -one quarterly meetings with each of them to go through feedback on how they can continue to grow. Uh, we provide them with resources that we think would be useful in helping them to be better leaders and managers. Um, and we just keep pushing them. You know, we're always there as a resource to answer questions they have but we're always trying to give them honest feedback that will help them to grow as well. So how does that honest feedback work? Give me an example of what you mean by honest feedback. Um, yeah, sure. So, so in a quarterly meeting, usually we'll, we'll kind of, we, we make sure we ask for their feedback and understand what they think of the business and how things are going and give them that opportunity to share things that they may not have in a, in a group setting in the past. Um, and, and then we kind of challenge them, right? So, an example may be one of our team leaders is definitely less confrontational when it comes to managing her direct um, direct assistants that she works with. Um, so she may she may not um, if something happens she may not get on top of them immediately and say hey you know this was done incorrectly we need to correct it in this way or she may wait some time before letting us know and then that kind of halts us from being able to go and talk to that person. So kind of direct feedback around that where it's there's these small things that you probably have to get over mentally to be able to handle more responsibility. We try to give that honest feedback so they can take that and, and challenge themselves to be better. And you mentioned that you're also pretty quick to, um, to get rid of people if they're not good on the communication side of the business. So do, what kind of systems do you have in place for firing people? Uh, yeah. Or how do you so, approach that? Yeah, sure. So we usually, we're quick to fire, but we, we also kind of give warnings. Um, so it, it's usually like a two warning type of deal where, you know, if they, they made a mistake, we, we give them honest feedback. We kind of give them constructive criticism on how they could improve there. And then we give them a week or two weeks to see if improvements are made. And then if, uh, you know, more things come back and there's more strikes, um, we then decide to, to let them go from the business. And, uh, at that point we have, we have a system process in place that kind of removes them from all group chats, uh, shuts down their email, it changes all of our internal passwords so that they don't have access to anything anymore. Um, and we just make sure that they're, you know, they're, they're completely let go from the business so that they can't impact us negatively in any way going forward. Nice. You mentioned passwords. What, um, any technology tools that you guys are using or any tech hacks that you guys have been using that have been helpful? Uh, yeah, we use LastPass, which is just an app that allows you to store passwords and once you change them, you can put them in there and you can, you can share it with different people on the team so they have access to all of it, certain parts of it, et cetera. What other software and apps are you guys using to run the business? Uh, sure. So I use Trello pretty often um, for software, graphic design, content. Um, it, it's really easy to be able to communicate with people and put projects in there and then have them comment or give me updates. Um, we're also... Nate uses a bunch of apps for networking um, that he uses to, to reach out to people and get in touch. Uh, we also use um, Jira for our, our software development management as well. Interesting. How about any masterminds? Are you guys a part of any mastermind groups at all that you're growing with or involved in? We are not as of right now. Um, we partner with some mastermind groups to be a resource for all of the entrepreneurs in their sure. groups. Um, and then Nate is going to 
Baby Bathwater Institute, which I believe is technically a mastermind. It is. Um, it's a meetup. He's going to that in Croatia in June. Oh, he's going. So that'll be the first one we're attending. Yeah, he'll, he'll love it. I, I, the client that I was just coaching in Germany is going to be at the Baby Bathwater Croatia. I've been to three of their events. Nice. It will be really great. He'll love the community. Um, great people. But yeah, I've gone to. I've been in the Genius Network for five years. Cool. I was in strategic coach for seven. I went to five mastermind talks events, three baby bathwater events. <laughs> nice. I came back from one at war room. Um, it's, mm-hmm. there's some legit conference. And then we started one just for second in commands called the COO Alliance too, that I'll send for you that nice. um, could be really interesting for you. Cause it's more operational. It's people that think more like mm. you, but he'll love, I'm glad he's going to Croatia. That'll be a fun one. Yeah, for sure. We were, we were back and forth on whether we should send him, but he was finally like, I want to do it. So we said, Hey, let's go for it. See how it works out. Oh yeah. It'll be, it's a no brainer. You will, he'll get 10 times his investment in terms of his, um, the dollar value of, of what it's costing him to, to go and to fly there and everything else. He'll get a 10 time return just on business from it, but the nice. learning and the ideas and everything else will be incremental. And then the network that you build just of people that are doing what you do as well is really powerful too. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, it should be a great trip. All right. One final question. If you were to go back to your 21-year-old self, if you were to to be talking to the 21-year-old Connor and say, you know, here's some advice that'll really help you in your career, what do you wish you'd known at 21 that you now know to be true today? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I wish, and it just kind of happened, but for, for, I wish I had known that how important a business partner is. Um, I, I think when I was younger, in my mind, it was always, I'm going to go start a business and I'm going to do it on my own um, because I don't want to work for anyone. I don't want to have to report to anyone. Um, but what I've learned over the years of working with Nate is, I mean, we just add so much value to each other. I don't think I could have grown as much as I have without having him by my side. And, you know, sometimes he's a pain in the butt and annoys me, but for the most part, it's it's been a really great experience. And if I were uh, you know, a 21-year-old, I'd want to know that and I'd want others to know that as well. Yeah, you guys have done a great job with complementing each other, almost kind of creating a bit of a yin and yang um, mm-hmm. partnership, which is great. Connor Gillivan, the CMO and second-in-command for freeup.com. Thanks for sharing with us on the Second in Command podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.